this episode, we discuss cancel culture. We look into some examples, discuss the origin of it, and give lots of thoughts and opinions. This is our last episode of season two. We are taking a break for the month of July, and we will be back August 2nd. This is Heather Wood and Jamie Hayhurst, and this is the Intuitive Girls Guide. Hey, Jamie, I think we should talk about cancel culture today. What do you think? Yeah, let's have the talk about it. I think that we have sort of stumbled into this anyways, based on episodes we've already done. And I think part of our role as podcasters has sort of become investigating and calling out stuff. And I kind of like that role for us, to be honest with you. Yeah, we do. That's not where we started, though. (laughs) That's not where it began, but that's where we've landed. I think when you are people like you and I that feel really, really protective of what the spiritual community is and what the true history of stuff is and that we should be researching stuff and having integrity, I think that it just sort of happens that you, it it sort of is given to you. And I honestly feel really honored that a lot of listeners ask us to investigate topics like this for that reason. And I know, I know you do too, but like, I take it really seriously. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I do too. And I just think when it's weird because we started out, we wanted to talk about the practical applications of intuition, how that really looks, what that really looks like, looks like for people. And I didn't see it becoming like sort of an expose on how people are taking advantage of that and how like they're steering us off the path of what intuition really looks like. Right. Like we have like these practitioners of wellness and intuition that people trust to be showing them intuition. And really we're finding that some of them are, are leading us astray. Yeah. I think if you're going to follow your intuition when you do something like a podcast and you're doing it about intuition, (laughs) you're going to go places you didn't think you were going to go like that. Right. So that's part of the deal. I I like this place and, you know, don't get us wrong. Every episode is not going to become an expose, but we'll certainly, (laughs) we'll certainly investigate topics. And I think cancel culture is important for us to address because we're wrapped up in it in this role, right? Like we end up playing a part in calling people out. So I think we should do this whole episode about what cancel culture is. I think it'll end up being a little real talky with a little bit of facts and research um, mm-hmm. sort of all combined, but I think we should go for it. Yeah, let's just see where it goes. Okay. So another name for cancel culture is call out culture which I kind of like better. I'll get to the, I'll get to the term. I like the best in a minute, which I've already said on the podcast before, but I'll make you wait anyways. Um, (laughs) I'm going to start with the Wikipedia definition of cancel culture because of all the definitions I found, I looked in a lot of different places. I didn't like any of them. And this was like the one that I was the least, the least disagreeable about. (laughs) So I'll read it. All right. So it says, The modern form of ostracism in which someone is thrust out of social or professional circles, whether it be online 
or social media or in person. Yeah, I like the, I actually do like the use of the word ostracism because I think it's accurate. I think to ostracize someone is harsh. That's harsh, but I think it's an accurate depiction of what happens when you cancel someone. Yeah, agreed. Now, there is a lot of controversy about cancel culture itself. And as somebody who agrees with canceling people or whatever, or calling out people, I actually, some of it I do get, I think it's, I think it's the terminology. And I think it's the fact that there's really, it's really hard to like nail down what it is we're doing. Like it, it doesn't it feel kind of abstract when you're thinking about it and like kind of lawless a bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it's also something like when we talked on the love languages episode that sort of led us here to this episode is that these things really do need to be taken on a case by case basis So I think if you're actually being thoughtful about it and who you're canceling in your life, I mean, I think now like cancel almost has like a harsh connotation to it now because it's been twisted by certain people, which we'll get to, but um, yes, we will. (laughs) But I think that it's something that we have to look at case by case, but also through our own moral compass, through our the own, our lens, our own filter of morality and ethics. So I think it's something that gets muddy. Agreed. I think it requires a conversation all yeah. the time. And that through that conversation is where we find what to do next. And, and I think it can be easy to jump on a bandwagon and to not maybe look into things yourself. We've talked about that too. Um, so I think you're right. I think it's muddy and I, I don't think it will be clear because I think what we're doing with this happening is kind of collectively changing our boundaries and saying, I'm no longer okay with accepting behavior like this from quote unquote powerful people. I think that that's the perfect way actually to say it, Heather, is that we are changing our boundaries as a collective. I mean, not as an entire society, because you see how divided it can be. Um, But I think a lot of people are changing their boundaries. And I think a lot of people are finally having the courage to say, this isn't okay. Like you don't get a pass because you're famous or you don't get a pass because you're rich. And I think that's a shock to a lot of people's systems. I agree. I agree. I want to read the LeVar Burton quote that I, I'm pretty sure this is the third episode I have said this quote on. (laughs) I think it is, but it's a good one. It's a good one. And I love it so much. And if I could say like, Hey, can we rename cancel culture? I would rename it based on uh, LeVar Burton's suggestion. Yep. So in case that name isn't ringing a bell for people listening, that is the Reading Rainbow guy. Reading Rainbow. (laughs) I love him so much. Um, All right. So here's his his quote. And he said this um, on The View, by the way. So he said, in terms of cancel culture, I think it's misnamed. I think it's a misnomer. I think we have a consequence culture and that consequences are finally encompassing everybody in society. Exactly. Because a a large portion of our society weren't held to the same standards as the rest of us. Exactly right. So 
based on what my friend LaVar said here, I would like to say, let's call it consequence culture because that really feels more accurate. And I like that as a guidepost, to be honest. Yeah, I do too. So I, you know, you know that, I don't know if you know this about me, Jay, but I like to research things. Yes, I did notice that about you. (laughs) So I did a little research on where did cancel culture start and the terminology and like, why is it such a thing? Like where, where did it start from? Okay. So it's kind of one of those things that you can't exactly nail it down because there isn't like, Oh, on this day, this caused this to happen. It's clearly a bunch of things, but the big things that I found was first off the me too movement kicked off a lot of this. And that started in 2014 which in my brain, that started like two years ago, but it, that was a while ago. Exactly. Yeah, that's just time being weird. Yeah. And the Me Too movement really started to call out and bring consequences to uh, men, specifically in Hollywood, who were taking advantage and sexually assaulting and abusing women and getting away with it. Yeah, particularly cis white men. Rich Yeah cis white men powerful harvey weinstein were looking at you exactly yeah the me too movement was so amazing and so pivotal and so such an a amazing moment in our culture i think Um, and so it really was sort of the launch pad for this Mm -hmm. now in addition there this will not come as a shock to you jay because we've talked about this before but like so many really cool things in our culture, the, the term canceling someone actually comes from black culture. Right. So again, like something that we've taken from black communities. Right. Again. Right. Add it to the right. list. So there was a 1991 movie called New Jack City. Yep. I've never seen this movie. Have you seen this movie? I have definitely seen this movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you can you can represent both of us in this. So there's this incredibly misogynistic line, actually, that the term canceling someone or that idea, what we think it comes from. Right. Um, and that is uttered by Wesley Snipes' character. And mm-hmm. so what's happening is that his girlfriend is upset in, in response to, like, the violence he's causing. And he says, in response to that, cancel that bitch, I'll buy another one. Right. I mean, that's a classic line from any, like, 90s movies, like, urban city movie. Yes. And then that term, then, like, I could find it in so many different places. Like, I saw it referenced on that show Love and Hip Hop. You know, like... It's it's in a lot of places, and it's also was big on Black Twitter. Yeah. Now I don't know how I feel about that term, but that's how it's described. So it was something that being used. I'm going to say culturally that way. Yeah. No, I think Black Twitter is something that people in the Black community have created for themselves. It's like a safe space where. Um, I mean, I'm not on Twitter. Neither. <laughs> I think that that, I don't think that that's a derogatory term, black Twitter. I think that that's a place where like the black community comes together through social media. Okay, perfect. So that's where we think 
that this terminology comes from. And I think it's important to know these kinds of things. I really, really do because there are so many instances where people are using terms and have no idea of the origin or appreciate sort of the history of it. It seems like a weird pattern where those people tend to claim a lot of things about history. (laughs) So I I do think it's good to know these things. Yeah. And I think it's also important to note when, if you are feeling resistance, if you're a white person or if you're watching a white person experience resistance about racism or systemic racism or microaggressions. This is actually a perfect example of that is think about how many times the black community, the BIPOC community have had words that they've used for years. I mean, we're talking about Wesley Snipes using cancel culture or the word cancel 30 years ago now, right? Almost, right? No, 1991 was 30 years ago. Gross. Yes, it was actually. (laughs) You know, and and then all of a sudden it's taken and used by all of society because it's great, because it's a great way to say something, but then there's no credit. There's nothing given to anyone about it. It's just taken and used and ran with, right? So imagine how it feels to be the black community, to have your stuff taken and appropriated and never getting any credit for it. Yeah. And then being oppressed by society based on your culture at the same time. Like it's a disgusting thing. Right. So like, look at the, at this society oppressing you, marginalizing you, but then hearing us using your words using your vernacular against you. It's going to be infuriating. So I think it's important to realize that that happens to the black community all the time. And that's what we mean by microaggressions. Yes. So fantastically said. I 100% agree. All right. I want to talk about the conservative view of cancel culture versus the liberal view of cancel culture? I think that this is very, very important. And I think that this happens so often in our country. Agreed. I would also like to say something that zero people will be surprised at. (laughs) You and I, disclaimer, fall on the liberal side of this argument. Now, we're going to present you information and facts, but we're not going to hold back our opinion. So, yeah, I mean, I yeah, I go like running past the liberal side at this point in my life. (laughs) Same. So if if you feel like that's not okay for you, this would be the time to hop off now. Um, I think we'll be fair, but we'll also have an opinion. So, yeah, there you go. Okay. I'm going to start with the conservative view. I'm going to just kind of give a a basis of both. And then I want to talk about them more in detail, particularly the conservative view. But from the conservative view in cancel culture, they're looking at it like, don't infringe on my free speech comfort. um, And they frame the offenders of people as the victims of cancel culture. Yes. I feel like that's really important. I'm going to say it one more time. The conservative side is framing the offenders, the people doing the bad things or the hurtful things 
as the victim of cancel culture. Right. Okay. Because, right. Okay. It's very much based on, you can, you can like bring this, you can whittle every argument down to, to one, one viewpoint, which is that they believe everyone should see the world the way they do. Yes. Whether that be with religion, whether that be with politics, money, work, it does not matter. They're, the core belief here is that if you don't see the world the way they do, you're wrong. Right. I think you can say that liberals or the left or whatever, however you want to call it, they're always looking to get more. It's ironic because the left is actually looking for freedom for people, right? They want choice. They want you to have a choice in what you want to do. Pretty much across the board is that like you can choose your own religion. You can choose your sexuality. You can choose what to do with your body. That equates to freedom. But for some reason, the right has become affiliated with freedom, but they're actually only fighting for restrictions. Absolutely right. And it's even when I was thinking about this, when I was writing this stuff down, I always try to to hear the conditioned white privilege that is in my head. Like I, I, I don't try to pretend it's not there. I try to listen to it because it, I think that's important because it's, it's there. It's there speaking to you, whether you want it to be or not, if you were raised in white culture. Right. Okay. So even the idea that freedom means people don't have to believe what you believe, like sharing your culture is really just forcing everyone to live based on your culture. Right. right? Like, ev- do you know what I'm trying to say? Like even the idea that that's, that freedom is not doing that. We're like, that should really just be a basic human right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll reel myself in from that because I'll keep going. <laughs> yeah. That's I'm doing the same thing because it's a whole entire it's shaped the entire sort of fracture of this country is how, how divided we are on this. But it's also something that I don't think that we can ever compromise on. Like when people call for compromise, I don't think that you can, you can compromise with someone who doesn't want what's best for another person. Yeah. You cannot compromise with the patriarchy. I'm pretty sure we tried that and it, really went poorly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Look back at history. <laughs> right. Like forever. Yes. And so a more conservative viewpoint would be on the side of the patriarchy. If you're hearing me use that term and you're like, wait, what? That's, that's what I mean by that. Right. Like everyone should do things this one way that we say. Right. And Christianity is a patriarchal religion. So it is the patriarchy. Exactly. Right. Okay. So then the liberal view, like you said, is actually more about personal freedoms, but it's comes from the cancel culture for the liberal view comes from a frustration from the lack of consequences for people in power. And that those, those people in power are doing hurtful things to groups of people or even a person. And they're not, there's no consequence for them. That's sort of the more liberal side of the argument. 
Right. Exactly. So there, because the motivations are so different, the conversations are not working because no one is hearing from the other person's point of view. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So do with that information what you will, but let's talk a little bit more about the conservative view, sort of the argument against cancel culture, if you will. Yep. Okay. So I, I thought I would give you a quote from somebody I know you really like hearing quotes from. That would be Donald Trump. Oh, no. <laughs> like, literally, no. I don't, I don't ever want to hear a quote from him, ever. So cancel culture was a really popular topic at the 2020 Republican National Convention. Yeah. Okay. A bunch of people spoke about it, Trump included. And he said that, uh, I'm just grabbing a few parts of his quote because I could not, I could not read, like read how he said it. Cause it, what, well, you can probably understand. Why. <laughs> okay. So he basically said that cancel culture was erasing history, encouraging lawlessness, muting citizens and violating a free exchange of ideas. No, sir. You just don't want to be called out. Like if you're, if you're reacting to cancel culture, then you're resisting being called out. And that means that you're being defensive and that probably implies that you've screwed up and you don't want to own up to that. And isn't it interesting that sort of the party who is very much against bringing in a more honest lesson plan of history into the world is accusing people of erasing history. I find that right. really interesting. Right. Because it just has to fit the narrative. It has to fit that narrative. Exactly. Encouraging lawlessness. How are we having this like mob mentality, you know, like coming out and accusing people of something and trying to give them consequences, sometimes legal, but that's encouraging lawlessness. Like that doesn't make sense to me. No, Um, no, you just don't want to be held responsible. You don't want to be accountable for your behavior or your actions. You don't want to be responsible for anything. So you're just resisting and reacting. Exactly. All right. I'm going to give you another quote from a conservative person who really is the person we should be going to for this information because based on their profession and history and, and things that they're taught, like they're really qualified. Oh God. So it is Mr. Bean actor, Rowan Atkinson. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'd love to hear what he has to say. I, I wanted to include this because I saw it referenced in so many articles in defense defense of the conservative side of this. Um, I, I looked at so many articles. I have screwed up the algorithm, Jay, for like what I'm shown now everywhere because I was right. trying to look at things from both sides. It really messes with the internet when you do that. Right. But anyways, he compared cancel culture to a medieval mob looking for someone to burn. Wow. Now, I would, like, I would like to point out here that medieval mobs were burning like the rich in power who were not taking care of 
people, like the people, one. And then two, the other thing that happened with later medieval mobs was that they were burning witches. So which medieval mob are we referring to? Right. And again, like, just say that you don't want to be responsible for your actions. Like, just say that, like, rather than being dramatic and making it like this big sort of witch hunt where you're appropriating the trials and tribulations of another group of people, like, just say, I don't really want to take responsibility for this. Yeah, I want to do what I want to do. I don't want you to call me out on it. And I want you just to be quiet about it. Because that's the status quo. That's what's been happening for hundreds of years in this country, but thousands of years elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I just don't feel like being responsible. So can you guys just be quiet about it? Like, that's what I'd rather you say. Yes. And I would like to point out that the only people you're defending from the mob are the powerful, rich white men. Right. That This statement doesn't go across the board for oh. So just pointing that out. Okay. Um, I would also like to point out that white religious conservatives, AKA the patriarchy were actually the people who created the idea of cancel culture way back in the day. Really? (laughs) Okay. Now I'm going to put in the show notes. um, There's an article on medium by Jeremy Helliger who I got a lot of this from, and there's a bunch of articles I got this from. I'll link them all in the show notes. They're all worth checking out. But I wanted to give um, Jeremy a shout out because his article was fantastic. Okay. Um, but I'm going to list some of the ways that the conservative slash patriarchy slash white religious uh, conservatives have started cancel culture. Are you ready? Yeah. Number one, the Salem witch trials. Exactly. Women were being canceled who weren't conforming to their religion or just whatever a man said. Right. That's some pretty intense cancel culture, if you ask me. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Confederate States of America. How do you like that one? Exactly. Exactly. Jim Crow laws. Yep. Okay. So. Back in the day, this is in like the 1930s in the one that I'm going to reference. There was an actor named William Haynes. And his story is just representative of a ton of different stories. More than a ton. Thousands. Where William Haynes had a male partner. And the studio, MGM, forced him to give up whatever that means, his partner and against his will, marry a woman or he would be canceled by the studio and his contract. That happened all the time. Yeah. I could find so many cases of things like that. Um, not to mention what they forced women to do and the roles they forced them to play to keep their contracts, even having to date certain other actors like gross. I mean, even think about George Michael. Yeah. Like he- like his whole career, he, you know, he, that freedom 99 that I love. Um, so good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Again, coming from white religious conservatives, just, just reminding. Okay. Um, Sinead O'Connor, do you remember what happened with her? Oh, this haunts me to this day. 
Mm-hmm. So if you don't remember on SNL, I believe this was in the mid nineties, but I, yep. I don't remember the year. She was making a statement against the Catholic church. And I believe that the statement had to do with like pedophilia accusations. Yes, so, it did. So she tore up a picture of the Pope after she finished one of her songs and literally people tried to take down her career. And I think kind of successfully did after that. No, I think they definitely successfully took down her career. She still has um, a reputation for being crazy out of her mind. I still, I think about this every so often about how people like Sinead O'Connor really took one for the team that like really no one believed her. It was such a wild statement at the time. How dare anyone speak against the Catholic church like that? And she was right. She was the pedophilia. The sexual abuse is rampant in the church and no one wanted to believe her. It, It makes me like kind of gutted when I think about it. It literally nauseates me when I think about it to this day. I feel like we failed her, obviously, with the delivery of her message, but obviously all of the victims of the church. Um, It's terrible. Yeah. So she was definitely canceled. Oh, she was definitely canceled, successfully canceled. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the band that was formerly known as the Dixie Chicks, which have wonderfully and beautifully changed their name to the chicks. Yes. Um, I mean, they were canceled twice or canceled, but once I think kind of successfully. And the second time because they changed their name, calm down. Right. Right. Exactly. But the first time was because the lead singer, Natalie Maines shortly after nine 11 was in, she was not happy with Bush's response and um, said, he's not our president. And they were canceled for disagreeing with our current president. Yeah, shots fired. I mean, that that destroyed their career for a time. It really did. Yeah. And again, I can't help but point out, like, the whole a woman speaking up thing seems to have a much greater consequence than a man. But again... In at the time that she did this, so in the early 2000s, I feel like white conservative religious culture was still strong enough that this could completely get you canceled and the media would 100% take that side. Agreed. Absolutely. Um, next on my list is Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> yep. The best example of bullshit cancel culture, in my opinion. Agreed. <clears throat> So frustrating. So frustrating. So I think everyone knows who he is. He was effectively canceled from his job in the NFL because he took a knee during the national anthem um, in protest to, well, I guess it was more issues than I thought. I thought it was just police brutality, but apparently it was much greater than that, what he was looking to do. But people tried to cancel him without even looking into the fact that he had actually like spoken to a veteran about it. He had been doing these protests by sitting on the bench before and was doing this to have more respect, like ridiculous. Yeah. But it it didn't suit the narrative. It's like protect the flag above all else, even, even above an entire portion of the population. 
it, it, it doesn't matter to anyone like that. Right. It's going to see you doing that. But yeah, he, Kaepernick spoke to a, a veteran and he was advised to take a knee because that's how you signal distress. Exactly. So gross. And honestly, those same exact people were saying like awful things about like rioting. It's like, well, pick a lane because which one peaceful protest or riot, neither are you're really allowing neither. Well, that's, that's been the whole argument is that nothing is going to win. You just won't see our side. It doesn't matter if we're violent or we're peaceful. The answer is just always no from you. Exactly. And, and also you're the party saying free speech, defend free speech, but then only if it fits your narrative is what you mean. Yeah. The, The hypocrisy of it all. Exactly. And then along that same line, Nike, um, I think it was not effectively canceled. No, I mean, I think there was a big, big backlash for, for them, but I don't think they were canceled. And it was because they hired Colin Kaepernick, by the exactly. way. Um, and what I thought was just kind of funny about this, this is just a side note, is that people were burning products they had bought. <laughs> like, you already paid for it. Like, what are you... That doesn't do like anything. He doesn't care that you're burning your Jordans or whatever. They don't, they got your money. That's, that's capitalism. I mean, <laughs> Nike doesn't care. Exactly. Um, all right. I added this next one in because you and I have had like a side conversation about this person in my love for her. And it's Jane Fonda. Oh, yes. So Jane Fonda was well, they attempted to cancel her, like, look who's laughing now. Um, But because she spoke out against um, the war in Vietnam. Yep. Yep. So again, we're like trying to, if it doesn't, if someone's disagreeing with something going on, they're being canceled before having an opinion. Right. Well, I think you have to notice like the undertones of things. It's like, we said before, white cis men, especially wealthy white cis men, they're allowed to have a voice. They're allowed to have opinions. When they do, they're confident, they're strong, they're assertive. Um, but when a woman like Jane Fonda is not just being a beautiful woman and acting for us and entertaining us, she actually wants to speak up and have an opinion, then it's problematic. So we have to note the undertones of misogyny, racism, homophobia. It's all laced throughout the whole thing. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Oh, remember when people tried to cancel calling French fries, French fries, and tried to call them freedom fries. (laughs) I do remember that. I do too. Not the proudest moment in our history, but um, that was because France was opposed to the U S evading Iraq. And that was in 2003. So just because a country didn't agree with us invading another country, a bunch of people didn't want to call French fries, French fries anymore. Right. It's a real power move. That'll show them. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Uh, man. Yeah. Another non-successful cancel move. One more funny one. And then a serious one that is, I'm like interested in discussing a little bit with you. Um, it's, Starbucks for having red cups at Christmas time um, because they didn't say Merry Christmas. They said like happy holidays. And that's just not Jesus-y enough for some people. This 
<laughs> really grinds my gears, as they say. I this a stupid cup, and it like sends me through the roof. And it's also assuming that like everyone wants to celebrate your religion. That's that's what I. That's what makes me furious. Like how self centered that you think literally the nation should revolve around your own personal beliefs. And if they don't, you should protest. Exactly. And I would like to personally have a conversation with every person mad about that and explain to them how Christmas is a a pagan holiday. Oh God. Go listen to the, to our episodes. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And then the last one that I want to bring up is Monica Lewinsky. Oh, yep. We did this girl real dirty. Uh, It hurts my heart. Me too. And she's so amazing. I don't know if you guys follow her on social media now, but she's she's a motivational speaker and a writer. And the elegance and grace and intelligence in which she carries herself with, I'm just telling you right now, we don't deserve this woman. No, the amount of judgment that that woman faced and still faces is it must be overwhelming yeah let's let's just remind everyone that a teenager she was 19 19 was so a teenager was working in the oval office as an intern and she was taken advantage of by her boss who also happened to be the most powerful man in America, maybe the world at the time. Right. World. And, and that man was also married. I'm only pointing that out because it was, again, the religious folks coming for her. Uh, And she was the most vilified in this. And that guy, he's the victim of this. Correct. Uh, we know the power structure here. This is a child and this is a grown man. Right. This is disgusting. And she was, I mean, yes, he got what a slap on the wrist about it. Right. Honestly, I think people hated Hillary more than him for it. Again, don't get me started. Easily. But Monica, a teenager at the time had to go through some of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. Like seeing all this Britney Spears stuff come up now is really reminding me of how we treated Monica Lewinsky. There's so much around all of this. We could keep going forever, but I think we should take a little break right now and then come back and discuss some more like specifics of people being canceled. Sound good? Yes. All right, let's do that. Hey, Jamie, do you know what goes really well with listening to a podcast? A great cup of coffee. Yep. And if you're local to South Shore, Massachusetts, you've got to check out Restoration Coffee. They're a specialty coffee shop that's been voted best coffee on the South Shore numerous times. And they offer more than just a great cup of coffee. They have specialty lattes, breakfast and lunch options, a cool vibe, and a really friendly staff. And if you're local or not, you can also order their beans, which are roasted in-house, by the way, and have them shipped anywhere. Yes. I'm going to go grab myself an Americano. No, grab me a Rachel with oat milk. That's my favorite latte. 
All right, you got it. And you know what, Jay? The owner is also really hot. Um, you should know you're married to him. <laughs> All right, visit restoration-coffee.com. That's restoration-coffee.com. And tell them that the intuitive girl sent you. All right, a few other points, two other little points that I'd like to make is that Canada criminalizes hate speech. Yes. And Germany bans Holocaust denial. As they should. And as a country, we're really far behind in dealing with those issues. Just putting that out there. Yeah, well, because we've taken this idea of freedom and used it as a shield for responsibility. Yeah, and also freedom for who, exactly. Right, freedom for keeping people in power in power. That, like, that's what the goal of that is, is that we don't want people speaking out to change things because the people in power want to stay in power. Exactly. All right, let's talk about some specific cancellations. I have a long list. I might not say all of them, but let's take a look. Okay. Um, the three that came to mind for me the most when I thought about the Me Too cancellations was Harvey Weinstein, Bill Cosby, and Kevin Spacey. Yes. I still hear a lot of people in defense of Kevin Spacey in particular um, mm-hmm. say that he was given too harsh of a punishment. What do you think about that? I don't know. I just think that people are so wrapped up in the celebrities that they love and the memories that they have that are tied to those celebrities that they, they want to make excuses that they probably shouldn't be. And I can speak to that with like Bill Cosby is that like he, I'm mad at him for all the things he did, but also for like ruining my childhood memories. Like I love the Cosby show. I mean, I grew up as a latchkey kid watching the Cosby show and loving that family and, Oh, the, the fact that I now he ruined that, but there's, but you have to take a look at it, right? Cause if you love something and it's ingrained in your childhood, you might feel some resistance around canceling that person. Cause you're canceling all that stuff, right? Yes. And also beyond the Cosby show, which I also loved. And in my brain as a kid was actually a part of that family. Yes. yes. <laughs> Um, I, his, he contributed a lot to like the comedic culture as a stand-up comedian and really changed so much, like, like as far as like having albums and like, he really was influential in this world. And I see so many people really struggling with like what to do with his contribution to that, what to do with what the Cosby shows cultural contribution was. And then him and like, do we separate it? Like, do we accept it? Like, like what do we do with it? And I think those are conversations worth having. And I don't think that there's one answer. No, I agree with you. And that's why, that's why we say that they're all situational and they're all case by case because we have to look at them and it doesn't mean that everything that he did was negated, but it just means that he gets nothing moving forward. He gets no more deals. He gets no more money or publicity ever again for the things that he did to women. Yeah. The consequence moves forward. It doesn't necessarily go backwards. Right. So, right. Yeah. It, it's I a tough, 
Oh, go ahead. I, I just think that this is something that sort of the, when you take a step back and look at this cancel culture, it's the same as when you look at changing your opinions about anything, right? During cancel culture, if you're, if someone's being canceled, you're having to take someone that you probably thought highly of, because if you didn't really care about them, you probably don't care that they're being canceled. Right. But if it's someone that you really liked and you're upset about it, you have to take a look and change your viewpoint and your perspective. And that's the same work that we have to do when we look at feminism, when we look at patriarchy, when we look at, um, like the plight of BIPOC people in this country, when we look at issues facing the LGBTQ plus community, like there are things that we've grown up with that are are inherent to our belief systems. But then when we use our intuition and our empathy to start to see someone else's perspective, there's always that moment of, but I always thought this, Mm. I always thought that, or we do it this way. Right. Mm -hmm. But no, I love Bill Cosby. Like he's really funny. And there, then you come to that moment where you either do the work, do the introspecting and look at it and are thoughtful and honest about it, or you dig your heels in and you say, no, we're not canceling him. I don't like, I'm canceling cancel culture. Yeah. Cause that's easier. It's way easier. It's way easier. It's uncomfortable to deal with these things. It is really, really difficult to go back into, you know, hear things about people that you love. Like I could say that I loved him. Yes. (laughs) Like that's hard. And then you have to do the work of going, where does this go? But that's intuitive work. That's not different than, you know, having a spiritual awakening or whatever. Like that is, that is intuitive work by definition. That's what it is. Right. And I, when we talk about Sinead O'Connor and Monica Lewinsky, I have that gut feeling and that pit in my stomach because I think about how I wasn't a voice for them. I mean, granted, I was a, te- I was a teenager, um, right. but things were so different then but I know that I didn't do the work. I fell in line with, you know, whatever anyone was saying. I didn't speak up. I didn't say, hey, this is gross. I didn't say, well, let me look into this. What is she actually mad about? Like, what's like, what's happening? I, you know, the work is in the stopping and pausing and looking and using your intuition. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And I feel the same way. Um, especially when I think of Monica Lewinsky and then I, I get those kinds of feelings too, when I see so many things coming up about Britney Spears, I don't know if you watched the documentary about her, but it really showed how the media sexualized her and portrayed her awful way, held her to a different standard than all the boy banders of her time and all of that. And I have this feeling that happens that is kind of like, where was I? (laughs) Why, why, Why was there not alarm bells going off? Why was I letting the media and the adults around me control that narrative? Why wasn't there an alarm bell going off for me that that was happening? And I got to tell you, the honest answer was there was an alarm bell going off when that was happening, but I didn't understand what it was. And now in our culture, 
like a conversation about it. And there's this thing that you can do where, you know, the media is having more trouble controlling all of the narratives because we have social media and things. So it's just, it comes from a different place and I'm, I'm not excusing it. It's not ever okay at any point in time, but I do think it's important, like you're saying, to look back and, and to notice what, where we made mistakes and, and to now do that intuitive work and do better. Right. I agree with you. Yeah. All right. I have some more to discuss. I'm going to group three of these together because they really interest me. <laughs> okay. These three I hear a lot in the conservative argument of let's not cancel them. They're very defensive of these being canceled. And that is Mr. Potato Head, Dr. Seuss, and Disney. Okay. I think you probably know what I'm going to say about why I'm grouping these three together. Yeah, because it's capitalism. Yes. These three companies made a business decision to Mm -hmm. do better and to be more inclusive and more respectful of other cultures, of LGBTQ, of, of all the things. And they did this. And as a response to them doing this, that sort of conservative thing came in where it was like, like as if the liberals were canceling them or were like muzzling them. But this was a business decision that these companies made. And it's always confused me the argument against it. Right. Cause I think that conservatives want to blame liberals for controlling companies, right? Like, because right. we're going to speak up, companies are going to have to bow to our, our beliefs. And, mm-hmm. and to a point they're right. Like that's how capitalism works. That's how you speak with your dollar is by not buying things. But let's be honest, the potato head thing, the Dr. Seuss thing, those were moves made probably because they wanted to look better. Right. <laughs> like those companies saw that we can look better. The optics are better if we're more inclusive. The world is changing. People are looking for inclusivity. And this makes more sense for our bottom line. Exactly. And I'm not saying not- I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm unhappy about it, but like you're mad at a company that's just trying to make more money. Yeah, there was no risk involved for these companies to no, do these there things. Wasn't. It's great that they did them, but make no mistake, they checked to make sure it was a sound business decision before they did it. And I got to tell you, especially with Mr. Potato Head, it was because nobody was talking about Mr. Potato Head. Nobody was buying Mr. Potato Head other than the fact that there was a Mr. Potato Head in Toy Story. (laughs) There was no, this was an old toy And then everyone started talking about it because of this. So that was a brilliant marketing strategy is what that was. And they didn't actually change anything. They just called a potato head and put all the pieces in one box. Like they didn't get rid of the guy. No one killed off the white potato. (laughs) (laughs) He's still there. You can just have a choice now of which one you make. And they call it potato head. It's still there. It's such a it's such a weird thing to get really mad about. Same with Dr. Seuss. The people who were mad that they removed some of the really blatantly racist material that Dr. Seuss had, 
and by blatantly racist, I do also acknowledge that it was in a different time. And I'm, I'm not saying that Dr. Seuss was trying to be a racist jerk, but he did racist things. Um, that was a very racist book. And it also wasn't making them any money. It wasn't. No, no one who was making that argument could name any of the books that were taken away or knew why. Like, were these books that don't. Like they didn't take away like anything of great importance. Like green eggs and ham is still right there. If that's what you're mad about you, like it's it's weird. It's weird. And it's also this weird hypocrisy of the right calling the left snowflakes. And then, but they're the ones who are really upset about a children's book from the 1950s that no one has actually read. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. How about J.K. Rowling? How do you feel about that one? This one hurts my heart, but for different reasons. I just not because of not like with Sinead where I feel like we left her behind, but I'm just so disappointed in her transphobia and her absolute resistance to shutting up and listening to people and learning and doing better agreed it's it makes me so sad it's so disappointing because she's this really successful powerful woman who like literally from the the bottom of the barrel of the worst place in her life pulled herself up as a single mom by writing these really amazing books and so it is so disappointing to me to see her choose this route. And it just really seemed so unnecessary. And I just want to make the point that um, humans and Americans in particular, we love the things that we love. And that sort of obsessive (laughs) love of things makes us very forgiving because we don't, we want to hold on. I want to hold on to the Cosby show. Okay. I want to hold on to the sweaters that Dr. Heathcliff Huxtable wore. I don't want to let go of those things. Right. We're very forgiving. If JK Rowling had just said like, whoa, my bad. I like, I really screwed up here. Let me fix this. Mm -hmm. It would have had a totally different outcome, but she is so resistant to listening and changing. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. It's really, really an unnecessary, terrible thing. And also imagine having a fan base like these are her readers that have grown up with her books, having their lives shaped by her books. Imagine having your fan base say to you, this hurts us. This is painful. Right. You being like, "Okay, sorry. Right. It's so tone deaf. I agree. All right. How about Ellen DeGeneres? Because she's been canceled twice for two very different reasons. How do we feel? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I wish that this intuition stuff we did really was crystal balls because I would love to be able to look into one and see what the hell is really going on with her and her business. Yeah. She did so much for the gay community. She Mm -hmm. impacted so much change through her sitcom and then her show, but it has really deteriorated. It sucks. So just the first time Ellen was canceled is because she decided to have her character on her TV show come out as gay. Right. 
can you imagine that being canceled now? Like thinking how far we've come. But I remember that as a kid. Oh, I, I remember the the commentary around it just being like, it's so unnecessary. Why does she have to? Right? Like, oh my God, so different than today. But anyways, her career was pretty effectively canceled for it, it really was. It was an effective cancellation of her. It wasn't fair. I, I don't think it was fair at all, but if you're talking about like the effectiveness of cancel culture, that canceled her for a while. Exactly. And then recently it came out that there was really terrible bullying working conditions at her show. Mm-hmm. And that's not okay. Don't hear me as backing that up. I'm not. That's That can't fly. And you can't use the excuse that she did, in my opinion, which is I didn't know about it because right. – baby, your name is on everything and you should know about it. Well, again, it's tone deaf. Like she doesn't realize how elitist she sounds like, well, I have so many employees. How could I know how everyone feels? Like it's, it's very tone deaf. Right. Because it's, if it was never getting to you that these things were happening, then, then that's the problem. And that's what you should say. Like, then your business isn't running right. Right. (laughs) Right. There's bad management. Exactly. Now, the thing that I will say slightly in defense of her is that if a man had a reputation for having this, the same work environment, I don't believe anything would happen. In fact, I've heard this even worse things about environments at TV shows led by men and there's no backlash to that. So I definitely think there's like a different standard here. Right. So it's like you have to, everyone needs to be responsible for their actions or the actions of their company. But we also should bring light to the fact that there is a very severe double standard. Right. He's going to be dragged for it. So should a man having the same working conditions in his company. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go for against all of these really, really rich, famous, powerful people and check on their working conditions and make them do better. And if you want to say that's a mob mentality, looking for some medieval mob, looking for someone to burn. Cool. Great. That That's a great result that we would get from that, where we would take the power, a little bit of the power away from those people and give it to the people who need it more. I'm down with that. Yeah. If you're going to be mad that people are looking for abusers and people are looking for the people who aren't treating their employees. Well, you're mad that we're finding those people. The problem is you. It's not <laughs> just a mob mentality you're worried about. It's a fact that you don't want to know where the bad guys are. Yeah. And here's the thing, the quote unquote bad guys can fix it. Uh, easily. Easily fix it. So just fix it. And then, right we all move on and you'll probably be celebrated for fixing it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You will be celebrated for doing something you should have already done. Right. For being a great leader and a great business person. Right. Exactly. Right. All right. How about Chrissy Teigen? What are your thoughts on her? Oh man. I got to say, I think I'm team Chrissy Teigen on this one. I I am. I know that she did some horrible things and I am not, I am not supporting those and I'm not saying that it's okay, but the apology that she has come out with 
it read to me as very genuine. It read to me as very introspective. And I think she's actually putting the work in to not be a terrible human being. Yeah. I would really like to see where she goes next with it. Like I, yeah. I really, I really would. I got to tell you that Chrissy Teigen has always been one of those people that I didn't pass my vibe check. Mm-hmm. Still doesn't really. And I, if you know what I mean by saying vibe check, you know that I, I probably can't give you any reason why other than like it just something right. real good. Um, the next person on my list also didn't, we'll talk about that and have talked about her, but I do think that there was this really intense culture for a while that you and I grew up in that was about bullying. Like I think of like Perez Hilton and it was funny to bully people. And I think Chrissy Teigen was trying to be comedic mm-hmm. in bullying people. And when it was happening, I don't think a lot of people were paying or I don't think it was going off on a lot of people's radar because it was just the culture. I think it was sort of standard operating procedure for a lot of people was to be an internet troll, to drag people, to sit behind your keyboard and and really um, lay into people to to get yourself up a notch. Yeah, and I'm not saying that's right, but in her apology, if you read it, because a lot of the, if you're not if you're not familiar, a lot of this stuff came out recently where she literally told people to kill themselves like in a joking way, but like, go kill yourself or, you know, one of them a teenager to add to that. Correct. It's terrible. But if you read her apology, she doesn't just say, I'm sorry for what I said. She, you can tell that she went and did some introspection, some introspective work and looked at, you know, she describes a culture that she was in and how she was trying to basically get famous because a lot of other people were successful yeah. in the same way of becoming famous through internet trolling, you know? I agree. And I think, again, as a woman, she's being vilified more than I know there were so many men who are doing right. the same thing who aren't whatever. We've already covered that, but I'm just adding that in. I agree. I thought her apology was very genuine. Um, and she wasn't excusing her behavior at all. And I, so I really did like that. And she was also very accepting of the consequences that come with those things being brought back to life. All good things. I think I would like to watch what she does next. I I really, I have high hopes. I hope that she changes her ways and uses this as a platform to fight against bullying. Like, I think that would be great. And I, I hope that she does that. We'll see. Yeah, I think that if you, I think that that's why this is a case by case basis. Like I keep saying, is that you have to look at what a person did when they did it, the culture of the time when they did it, what other people were doing at that time, what was socially acceptable then. And then you have to kind of look at the arc of their life. I mean, Chrissy Teigen, we've been watching her grow. She's gone through some excruciating, excruciating circumstances in her personal life lately. And I think that those are things that make you grow. They make you, they force you like these trials and tribulations of our lives. They make you look at yourself and grow. And I I do think that she's on that arc where some people just, they screw up and they throw an apology out and nothing changes. That's more like the person that I'm going to cancel. Exactly. I I think 
I think it also brings up a, a good question, um, which is like how, who gets, who gets like the excuse, like who's like, okay, you're no longer canceled or okay. You've, you've accepted your consequences and paid the price. Like where is that line? Right. Exactly. What do you do to earn that? Like, is it a really authentic apology? Should you show growth? Like what, what do you need to do for us to go like, all right, I think, I think that the consequences have done the thing that we wanted, which was growth and for you to change the way that you were, you were operating, which was hurtful. You know, like, again, I, I think to, to what you said before, it's kind of a case by case, feel it out basis. Right. I think that's one of the miracles of the beauties of social media is that there is that collective power now to speak up when I think during the time of Sinead O'Connor or Monica Lewinsky or whomever, a lot of voices wouldn't be heard. Right. But now because of social media, we can collectively say, no, this is not okay. Or no, you're not going to cancel Sinead O'Connor. She's right. Yeah. Yeah. And at the very least, there could be a conversation about it now instead of just right. inside media portrayal. Right. Yeah. How about our friend, Rachel Hollis? <laughs> oh, she's the opposite of Chrissy Teigen. Agreed. She's the anti-Chrissy Teigen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With less consequences, I appear. Yeah. yeah. And she keeps, she just keeps digging the hole deeper and deeper and deeper. It's every time I see her name, there's another article about how she just doesn't get it. Go listen to our Rachel Hollis episode if you haven't already. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of our like most listened to episodes because yeah. it the controversy around her is so steeped. But she, man, she just cannot, she can't get it together. No, and it, it's such a good example of what you were saying before, like how Christy's apology was much more owning it and authentic and then, you know, sort of, okay, let's watch what she does. Like, is she right. going to take this and use it in some positive way to make some changes? Or is she going to just keep doing things to try to recover her image? And you watch Rachel Hollis just keep doing stuff to just recover her image and completely effing it up all the time and just proving the point that we were all making about her before. <laughs> so she is. Yeah. Her apologies were atrocious. She had yeah. atrocious apologies and now every time you hear her name, she's saying something worse. Like it's she, yeah. she's backpedaling. It's it's brutal to watch, quite frankly, because yeah, her PR team must just be like dying. I don't understand why she didn't take the cue to like take a break for a longer time. <laughs> like, I don't I know. Think, I think she must be like addicted to it. Like I, it almost, it seems to me like she doesn't care as long as she's a topic of conversation. Maybe. I don't know. Right. Yeah, yeah, she's still trending. She doesn't care. Yeah. All right. I got one more for you. Okay. Uh, Gina Carano, who was the actress who was in The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. who compared being a Republican in 2021 to being Jewish during Nazi Germany. She was fired from The Mandalorian. So I have a pro tip I'm going to give you guys all for free. Okay. <laughs> you don't, you don't have to pay me for this. Yay. I'm going to tell you that if you ever feel compelled, to compare yourself to a Jewish person in Nazi Germany. Don't do it. Don't. That's all. That's the pro tip. Don't do it. Shut up. Don't (laughs) ever compare yourself to a Jewish person in Nazi Germany. Stop it. 
do you think that Gina misses the point that like she's on the the same side as like the Nazis in this comparison though? <laughs> oh, she missed it. Yes, she missed it. Yes. Do you know what's so disappointing about this? Because I know that you don't, you won't know this, Jay, because you don't, you're not a Star Wars, Star Wars person like I am. In the Mandalorian, her character was awesome. And not just like a fun, but like they do this cool thing that Star Wars is pretty, I think, well known for, which they give women really powerful roles. Right. She, her character was so badass and stronger than the men and like such a good feminist character that it was extra disappointing for me as a fan. Cause I really love her character on the Mandalorian to hear that. Like, I know that, that like, I shouldn't have expected her, the actress to be that kind of a person, but it feels like extra disappointing. It's sort of like Cosby where like he was a dad. and then he's he's like doing that and like it's it's obviously it's not the same I'm not comparing them but do you know what I mean like it's it's like oh it's like extra crushing I feel like well and that's where that resistance comes in you're like no I love her I don't want to give this up that's where you have to like do that sort of check of yourself like okay I love this character she's a badass but this is not okay like you have to do that check of yourself Exactly, exactly. And then there's this whole argument against like, well, she should have freedom of speech. But here's the thing with freedom of speech. It, it just gives you the right to say things that, that you want to say, but it doesn't mean you can say them without consequences in certain environments. And I think people get that really confused. Okay, I'm going to give you another <gasps> free lesson. Wait a minute. Before you give another free lesson... Before you have to commit right now, if you're going to keep listening to share this episode with somebody because of all Jamie's pro tips. Okay. Continue. (laughs) Freedom of speech protects you from a tyrannical government. Yeah. That's all it does. It means the government can't come and lock you up because you said something that they deem is bad. Uh Freedom of speech does not protect you from consequences. Again, consequence culture, right? So like you say something terrible about comparing yourself to being a Jew during Nazi Germany. Mm -hmm. The the government is not going to come and put you in jail. That is a breach of your freedom of speech. Your boss can fire you. That is not a breach of your freedom of speech. Yeah. And social media can kick you off of something because they're also a private business. P.S. Exactly. So if you're, say, the president of the United States <laughs> and you say things to incite riots in the Capitol building, <laughs> a private company such as Twitter or Facebook or Instagram can ban you indefinitely from their platforms because they are a private company. Exactly right. Exactly. Stop saying freedom of speech. Stop saying that. That's not what that means. I don't think you understand what that means. But now you do because I taught you. Lesson learned. No excuses anymore. It has been, you have been educated by the IGG. Done. (laughs) My criminal justice degree, now worth every penny. (laughs) There you go. Full circle. (laughs) All right. How do you feel, Jay, about 
the kind of argument when it comes to comedians, like feeling like, well, I need to be able to make jokes about certain people or issues, or I need to be able to use certain words because what comedians do is make commentary on what's going on in the world. Like, where do you stand in this place? My own personal line with that, again, I think it's case by case. And I think that people should have their own personal opinions on who they want to quote unquote cancel or not cancel. But with comedians, my line is a lot like sort of further away. I'm going to give a comedian a lot more space to say things that are controversial. You're going to lose me though, when you're using certain words, like there are certain words that you don't say no matter who you are, no matter, no matter what. Unless yeah. you're of that of that culture, like we're, I'm talking about the N word, never. Unless you're a person of color, don't ever speak it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are other words that I won't say right now that no one should be using. Mm-hmm. So those are my lines. They're they're a lot harder and and faster, but um, I do give a little bit more like creative license, so to speak, to a comedian. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I agree with an, an extra thing to add that I think that you can use a little more intelligence and be able to talk about something like that, like social issues or, or stuff that where it could be controversial. I think with a little more intelligence, you mm-hmm. can comment on it and make a joke about it without being offensive. Right. Exactly. I don't, I think that if your goal is just to offend people, you're probably not actually that funny. Yeah. So Jamie, you sent me a video about pedestal culture. Will you explain what that is? Cause I, I think that that's an important part of this conversation too. Yeah. So I sent you a reel on Instagram by Natika Chopra, who's this um, woman on Instagram that I love go follow her. Um, she does a lot of work with chronic illness and, um, self-care advocacy and stuff like that. But she did a reel about how we should be changing it from, we should be looking less at cancel culture and be looking at why we have pedestal culture. Mm -hmm. Pedestal. So why are we putting people, celebrities, or really anyone up on a pedestal? And she says in the reel, like, why are we worshiping these people to begin with? Like to such a degree that if they make a mistake, it's ruined. It all comes crashing down. Like we're not treating people as human beings anymore. We're worshiping them and putting them up on this pedestal that they might not even necessarily be qualified or worthy of having. Yes. I thought that was a great reframe of it. I really like that. And I, I think it speaks to why it's such like a fall from grace because they're up there anyways. And back in the day before the internet and before before like the whole TMZ movement of like knowing everything about celebrities, personal lives, Mm -hmm. I feel like the fall from grace was a little different. Like you had to do something really either dramatically terrible, or you had to have been canceled by the people in power. Like if you were an actress by MGM or what, like, do you know what I mean? Where when that shift happened, the pedestal became about everything. Like that we were expecting so much more. And I think that really speaks to like the capitalistic view that we're given, right? Where if you have power and money that you're a better person and that you've 
unlocked some secret thing in the universe of success and you deserve more rights and more everything. Right. And I think what she's saying in the pedestal culture thing really kind of shows that problem. Right. And just because you have money or fame or power doesn't mean that you're someone who doesn't mean that that's someone you should be taking advice from or modeling your life after. Or that should be free of consequences. Right. I mean, I wasn't going to bring them up, but it makes me think about the Kardashians and their refusal to take responsibility for their influence on their negative influence on young girls. Yeah. And they're appropriating of black culture with no repercussions and, and, and making literal billions of dollars off of it. Yeah. Yes. It's no good. No. Um, I just have one, I have two things. I have one thing I want to ask you about, and then I, I have one other thing. So how do you feel about going back in people's past? I, I'm thinking about Kevin Hart getting fired from, what was he going to host? I can't remember. Was it the Grammys? Uh, yes, I believe it was the Grammys. Yes. Like how... How far back is it okay to go sort of Chrissy Teigen too and be like, hey, back here you made some comments that were not okay, possibly in a culture that was different and allowed it then. Um, So now you're canceled. Like, how do you feel about that? It's tough for me because I think that, um, like we've spoken about, that we need to look back at what was socially acceptable at the time that these things were said. But I also don't think that that gives you a free pass. Right. And for Kevin Hart, he's now, I'd say very famous. I mean, he has a very lucrative career. He's very successful. So it's hard. I don't, when he wasn't allowed to host that for me, I didn't feel like super indignant about like, no, let him, let him hope. I didn't, I didn't have that feeling like, yeah, if, if you're going to be talking about certain groups of people disparagingly, then I think there does have to be some sort of consequence for that. And maybe you're not hosting a show um, where a lot of that community is going to be in attendance and supposedly, like, hopefully being, like, receiving awards and getting recognition. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? You got to think agree. about what the situation is. You know, would I say that Kevin Hart shouldn't host Family Feud? No, he can host that. Like, it's just a game show. But hosting the Grammys is a, a prestigious job for a comedian where you're you're representing all different artists with all different types of lifestyles and backgrounds and cultures. I mean, I think we need to be aware of who's hosting that. Yeah, and to me, that was sort of one of those things where the consequence sort of fit because it it was like he lost one job right but that's it he still like has a number one netflix movie as we're recording like he's okay yeah so yeah i don't feel i don't feel bad about it that we're bringing up past stuff i think we have to be careful to like remember the tone i think you should be allowed to make mistakes and grow from them i definitely do lord knows i've made plenty but you know, I'm not a celebrity, so people didn't probably don't have the footage. Right. So like there is that element. Absolutely. But then 
you, we also kind of like the theme that we've been saying, like it needs to be something that we keep bringing up in conversation. And I, I actually think Kevin Hart could have done a way better job of handling that. He apologized, but it, he was very defensive of the fact that, you know, this was happening. So I don't know. Right. And I think that that's the moment that I keep talking about is like where you take that moment and you do the work internally, because I think it's very easy for someone like Kevin Hart to say, well, this isn't fair. Every comedian at the time and currently actually are saying these types of things. This is how everyone was talking then. Now I'm the guy that you're going to pick out and punish for. I get that. I get that moment of feeling like the victim and feeling like, you know, people are just focusing on you and taking it out on you. I get that moment. But then if you sit and do the work for more than a minute or an hour or a day, you're going to realize that the literal culture and world is shifting and that this is what we need. We need accountability. And like, rather than comparing myself to the world and being like, this isn't fair, you have to ask yourself questions like, was that right? Am I proud of that? Am I embarrassed of that? Yeah, it's an invitation to do some work on yourself and right. to, yeah, that's that's wrong. Notice that I don't do that anymore, I, you know, right. and I'm sorry I ever did. And I don't think this consequence is fair for it, but I did say it and I own it or like something more like that rather than being a really rich and famous person calling foul. It's, I don't know, it's a little weird. Right. And that's why I love the moment of the apology, because I think some people get mad because they think that we as a culture want celebrities or whomever to sort of do this dance and apologize for us and put on this show where, you know, we just want to basically sort of embarrass them. But it really gives me a look into where you are currently, Hmm. which helps me, helps me decide, oh, do I, am I canceling this person? Am I not buying this person's product anymore? Like, how are they responding to this? It's not because I want them to, you know, put on this sad guy dance on the stage for me and entertain me with their apology. I'm not looking for that. I'm not looking for someone to eat shit either. I just want to see how genuine you are and how authentic you are. Yeah. Agreed. I think that's a, an excellent point. Right. The last thing I want to ask you about is, do you think astrologically, there's this, there's like a a tie to sort of cancel culture and what we're going through right now? Yeah. So I looked into this because, well, because I think astrology impacts literally everything, (laughs) not just our lives, but our society and the things that happen in them. And there, there is something, if you look it up, there's not one specific thing that happened, but if you look into the astrological events that have been happening over the past three or four years, There are some changes that have been happening that I think can play into this sort of push of cancel culture that we've seen lately. Around 2017, Saturn, the planet, joined Pluto and Capricorn. Uh Pluto's been in Capricorn since 2008, like when the financial crisis started. So we have like, you can sort of predate this turbulent energy that was happening. Then in 2018, a year after that, the South Node also went into Capricorn. Mm -hmm. So Pluto, Saturn, and the South Node are some like really sort of dicey, tricky planets. Pluto is known for destroying. Saturn is known for having like showing limits and restricting. And the South Node is sort of this like karmic, what goes around comes around energy. 
right? Mm -hmm. So they're all now in the sign of Capricorn, which is known as being very pragmatic and very disciplined. So you're mm -hmm. talking about destroying careers. You're talking about limiting and restricting people. Like how much do you get from us? Like how much, how much money do we give you? How many likes do you get? Like how much money do you make at the box office now? Mm -hmm. And that what goes around comes around is like you had these behaviors and now it's coming back around for you in a very sort yeah. of pragmatic and disciplined way. Yeah. It's sort of like disciplining chaos, which is kind of what it feels like. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So there seems to be a lot of Capricorn energy that's like calling out and dragging. I like it. Here we are. It, it's a, it's become a part of our culture and I know there's a lot of resistance to it. And, and with some of it, I, I agree. I don't think we should just be canceling people across the board every time they make one misstep. But I do think that we have the right to reserve like where our attention and our energy and our money goes. Agreed. I think we should rename it consequence culture. I'm, I'm with the reading rainbow guy. Yes. LeVar for the win. Love him for the win. So I'm going to just put that out there. I didn't come up with it, but I'm calling for it. And then, I'm going to give you my Jerry Springer final thought again. And then I'd like to hear you. <laughs> I'm starting this. We're doing this on the OG, the IGG now we're giving <laughs> Jerry. Springer. Final. Okay. In something like this, you can't use logic. You have to use intuition to navigate it. You have to feel your way through and intuition dictates that there aren't hard and fast rules, but that there's conversation. And so that's what we need to be using. And I think the people struggling to do that are the people who struggle to allow themselves to use their intuition. Right. And so what are you saying? Say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> Gladly. That, that, that there's part of our society that resists intuition. Yeah. There's a huge part of our society that resists intuition. And then even within the spiritual community, we have people poisoning the well of what intuition is and what spirituality is. And it's, it, it really bothers me, Jay. <laughs> right. but it's a problem. It is a problem. And here's the thing. Intuition is feelings. Intuition is, yes, part of intuition would be communicating to the dead. We have an episode on mediumship if you'd like to listen. Part of it is connecting with angels or using tarot cards or crystals. Episodes on all those things. Go ahead right. and check them out. But those are just these little subcategories of what it is. Those are just little a lot of times mistaken pieces of culture that aren't represented correctly that we use. What intuition really is, is feelings is, is, is following how you feel and what feels right. And we live in a culture that vilifies that and celebrates logic. And this is not a place where you really can only use logic. It won't, there's no, hard, fast set of rules to follow that fit. You have to use intuition each time. You have to discuss it and feel your way through it every time, or we're just going to keep repeating this bullshit over and over again. Exactly. And, and note that when you're using your intuition and you're calling people out, you want them to have consequences. The people that are resistant to that are the people that don't want you in touch with your intuition. And they don't want you to have the power to speak up and say, this is not okay. Exactly. Exactly. Who's really trying to mute who here? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm all for 
taking a look at how we view power in our culture, because there's really nothing more intuitive than that. (laughs) Right. Intuition's not just the fun woohoo stuff. It's this stuff too. It's societal. It's cultural. I feel like we really try to represent that here on the IgG. But you you can't just call yourself an intuitive and then just post stuff about good vibes only and show yourself meditating. You also have to stand up and say, hey, this doesn't feel right. Let's fix it. Right. Exactly. And when someone's trying to silence that voice, it's a sign that you're actually on the right track. Exactly. All right. I could keep talking about this forever and ever and ever and ever, but I'll reel myself in and just say, please think about that and let's keep discussing consequence culture. Agreed. Okay. Sounds good. Let's, let's go do something with consequences that will be good. (laughs) Okay. Sounds good. All right. See you later. Can I ask everyone listening to do us a favor? Can you please go wherever you're listening to this, whatever platform you listen to the IGG on, can you go on for us, please? And like, whatever it's asking you to do, like, like, follow, download, rate, write a review. We would love for you to do that for us. Hey, thanks for listening to our episode. For show notes and a place to send feedback, please visit our website, embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls. Again, that's embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls.